You are listening to the Center Church Podcast. Center Church is an unapologetic urban church in the heart of Richmond for the heart of Richmond. Our mission is simple, to empower people towards a life-giving journey with Jesus. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Center Church. Good morning, Boulevard United Methodist. Good morning, everybody. We're so glad that you are gathered with us in this virtual space for worship together. And we look forward to next week, February 6th, when we hope and pray that we will be gathering in person here at 910 South Harrison. I can't wait. It'll be great. Um, So as we look forward to that, uh, introductions. My name is Drew Wilson. I serve as pastor at Boulevard and as one of the pastors in this community that we're bringing together. I'm here with my colleague, Stephen Poor. Stephen Poor, and I'm also one of the pastors here, part of this community. And I'm just really grateful to share today with you, but also with Drew as we continue our series, Formed in Light. Amen. Formed in Light. This is a series we've been working through in the season of Epiphany, which we remember uh, officially started on January 6th, but we have been stretching this out and looking at what it means to be formed in the light of the Epiphany star or the Christmas star as it shined over Bethlehem, if you remember, all the way back then, uh, a month ago to Christmas and all that. Feels wow. like two years ago. <laughs> it was last year. It was last Feels year. Like we know it. this. So, um, but we continue to be formed in the light of that revelatory mm. time. And so today we're looking at the story uh, from Matthew chapter 6, in which Jesus talks about anxiety and about money. Yeah. Um, but still, we keep in mind Epiphany, right? Yeah, that's right. We're and it actually makes sense because if you, you go back in Matthew's text and you look at that moment, um, the Magi come to celebrate the birth of Christ by bringing what they have. They bring gifts. They have something to give to the Christ child. And I don't know if uh, it was that moment, um, but Christ ends up giving of his life. Um, so he was formed by that as well. Maybe right? by that moment yeah. or, you know, just by his calling, he gave of his life so that others might thrive. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's the invitation of Epiphany and the invitation of this text. I don't think there's any mistake that from Matthew 5, Matthew 6, it really is framing our service to this world um, the same way that Christ served the world. And so we're going to be exploring that today. Many of you, as soon as I said the word give, like your palms got a little sweaty, maybe you got a little nervous, maybe you got a little hot under the collar, because many of us were uncomfortable with that four-letter word. Four-letter word in the church. That's right. (laughs) Give. Many of us are uncomfortable to talk about generosity and giving and our stuff. I'm uncomfortable. I think you're uncomfortable sharing about it because the church doesn't have a great track record of talking about it. And oftentimes we abuse generosity in the church. So yeah. some of us, we, we just get nervous when the church talks about it. However, Jesus spends a lot of his time talking about our stuff, about our money, about giving, about the things that grip our hearts. And I think the invitation from Christ is to live an abundant life, one that's not clinging to the things that will leave us feeling empty or wanting more or needing more, but the everlasting water, the well that never runs dry, Mm -hmm. um, Christ. Mm -hmm. 
where true abundant life is found. And I would humbly suggest that generosity is the very crux of what Jesus came to do. And I believe he calls us as followers of this way to follow suit. So good news, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're off the hook. Congratulations, like you can totally tune out this entire conversation. However, here's a quick disclaimer. Um, I believe that if you implement some of the practices that we're going to share at the end, I, I really do believe you are going to live a more fruitful and abundant life, even if you're not a follower of the way of Jesus. Mm. And so I would humbly suggest that you tune in and listen because Jesus has life to offer you, um, no matter who you are. And um, yeah, I, I think that's really important for us to note today because many of us, I mean, we, we have a lot of fear around our stuff. We have a lot of fear around our generosity. Yeah, yeah, we do. And, you know, we want to keep in mind Jesus's words to start off that word in Matthew chapter six. I mean, he talks about money and says, you cannot serve both mm. God and wealth. Remember what Anna just right. read in the scripture lesson. But then Jesus says, do not worry. And so it's important for us to acknowledge, like, we've got worry. Yeah. We have all kinds of worry here, but we come to this story and this time uh, wanting to receive a different way. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, so, like, I, I think worry is a real reality when it comes to our stuff and when it comes to giving and when it comes to our finances. Uh, how have you experienced maybe fear and worry and stress and anxiety, especially around our stuff? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. So let's just take a moment, and I know you asked me, and I will share but let's just take a moment again to acknowledge that we do have that fear, oh, yeah. that anxiety, that worry. So whatever worry you might have this morning, can you locate that? Where do you carry worry? Do you carry it in the pit of your stomach? Do you carry your worry in your shoulders? Mm. Do you carry it in your head? Feel that tension, that pressure. Do you carry it in your heart? Do you share it with others? How do you carry your worry? Mm. So I, I definitely carry worry, and I want to acknowledge again that Jesus says, do not worry. So we're going to get into that. Uh, but for me, absolutely, I worry. I worry, about, I worry about church. I worry about you all. I worry about us coming together as a community and yeah. following that call of Christ to be reconciling people, to break down the walls. Uh, I worry about health. I worry about, I mean, we're in a pandemic, right? right. I worry about the availability of health care. Yeah. I worry about my children. I worry about uh, what the future has in store for us all. And I do worry about money. Uh, my spouse, I hope Shay won't mind this, but my spouse and I, Shay and I, uh, early in our marriage, money was really one of the main things that we had the most conflict about. And... Uh, we worked our way through that through some practices that maybe we'll talk about later. Yeah. But I just want to acknowledge, like, that's a real deal. Yeah. That's a real fear. Yeah. It, it, what's really interesting is um, when we do have worry and fear and scarcity as a reality, and I think that's really what it comes down to is a scarcity mentality where we're like, we're so afraid that there won't be enough. enough. Yeah. There won't be enough stuff for us, for our family, for people we care deeply about. And so we start to just like consume everything in our path. Mm -hmm. 
And soon what we find is the very things that we're consuming are actually consuming us and consuming wow. our hearts and consuming our minds and consuming our bandwidth. Mm. Um, like, look at the great toilet paper scare of 2020, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, we started posting and tweeting and uh, Instagramming that there was toilet paper at Target, run as fast as you can, and we would just fill our carts with toilet paper, mm-hmm. not, not vegetables, not milk, not eggs, not the essentials for life, <laughs> toilet paper, because we're so afraid, and, and we've been, in a lot of ways, um, indoctrinated to be afraid, to have the scarcity yeah. mindset. And um, quickly, the things we never thought would be idols in our life, things we never thought we would be afraid of, mm-hmm. suddenly start to creep into our life and it affects our relationships with one another. But maybe even more importantly, it affects our relationship with God. Yeah. It affects how we view God mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, because when we don't get what we feel is scarce, we blame the creator, mm-hmm. God. Hmm. And God's saying, what? Hmm. I, I've been giving to you yesterday and the day before that. I've provided. Mm-hmm. And that's what we hear in the text, right? Oh, yeah. Jesus says, uh, consider the lilies of the field. Mm-hmm. Look how they're provided for. Uh, wouldn't God provide for you as well? So there, there's a word of comfort here. And I want to point out, as Stephen was pointing up, we're also uh, surrounded. You may be able to hear. Uh, we have workers on the roof. Who they are may fixing fall up through. The building. Yeah. Any second. This could we be very exciting. We don't know. So, so tune in. Right. <laughs> Stay tuned. Right. You we may don't. see somebody fall through the roof. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So may God provide for them as well. Um, but yeah. So anyway, we just we know we have anxiety about this, and we know that we have fears about what's enough. Yeah, we we really do. But how have you? Um, maybe like experience that fear? How does commercialism and all of that teach us to cling to our stuff? Well, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about being formed in light and then also how we're formed by culture, right? Mm-hmm. And so the culture of commercialism, I remember, do you remember some of the commercials that were on TV when we were growing up? I remember Apple Jacks commercials. Oh, all right, Apple Jacks, so they were, were they originally, uh, so originally they were all like the reddish orange and then they got green or something like that. <laughs> I'm not really sure. But what Science. I remember, <laughs> that's right, fully GMO, yeah. <laughs> fully GMO, genetically modified. Okay. Um, but what I remember about Apple Jacks commercials was that there would be some adult trying to sneak some Apple Jacks and then the kids would come and take it away and go, these aren't for adults. They're only for kids. And here was the thing. I didn't like Apple Jacks. I really didn't like them at all. My jam was Golden Grams. Oh, man. Still are. But I didn't like Apple Jacks. And so there was a way in which I was like, what's wrong with me? If Apple Jacks are the cereal for kids, only for kids, what's up with me? But I mean, that's a silly example. But how much of what we watch, what we hear, what we receive from our mm. culture informs, forms us to think about how this is the way you're supposed to look. This is what you are supposed to want. This is how you're supposed to act. And that if you don't conform to that, you don't fit. So in order to fit in, in order to be normal, you need to want all these things. Maybe even you should fear if you don't fit in with this stuff. 
Yeah, and that's really antithetical to the way of Jesus. Hmm. Like when you think about it, I remember the Butterfinger commercial where Bart Simpson, Simpson, Simpsers, Simpsons. Bart Simpson would say, uh, "Nobody better lay a um, finger on my, my Butterfinger." Butter that's right. And um, like that, that really indoctrinates us to like Here cling and grip talking about it, to right? our stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and I think what is so antithetical is that God, com- what God commands about idols isn't that we shouldn't have stuff. It's not that we shouldn't have things or have clothes or a house. Those things are fine to have. God's command about idols, which you read about early on uh, in the Genesis and Exodus narrative, um, is really that those idols shouldn't have us. Yeah, They shouldn't have a command over our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I would be blunt to say that living a good life pulls at the very core of living a good life. Living the good life and living a good life pull at one another. Yeah. The good life versus a good good life. life. Right. Right. They pull at one another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about uh, Amy Jill Levine, uh, Jewish scholar, says that the word in Matthew's gospel where it says you cannot serve both God and wealth. So the Greek word is like mamonas, not a Greek scholar, sorry. But the word, uh, sometimes it's translated as mammon. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And uh, that word comes from even older languages. It just means that which is not God, but you put all your trust in. So you cannot serve both God and these other things that you want to put all of your trust in, but they are not God. You can't do it. Right. Yeah, that's good. So we read and we hear in Anna's text um, really about this very thing, mm-hmm. uh, about the idea of worry and concern and anxiety, and the invitation is certainly there, but does that mean that Um, it's really loud. It's okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's just really loud. So does that mean that Jesus is saying, hey, like, don't worry. Who right. cares? Like, is this Jesus being flippant? Right. Is Jesus being like, hey, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you would worry. Yeah, it's such an important point because we got to take this stuff seriously. Uh, it's really important that we not come away from Jesus uh, and his language in this, in this text. As if Jesus is saying, like, there's nothing to worry about in the world. In fact, if we look closer at the text, Jesus refers to all these things that he knows people do. And in fact, he ends it saying, hey, today has enough trouble of its own. Right. Just don't worry about tomorrow. But even then, is that flippant? Is that too flippant? Well, I want to point out there, I think there are two big sins that we commit Hmm. when we come to Scripture. And one is that we forget Jesus himself in his own context. And Jesus did not have it easy, okay? So when Jesus says, do not worry, this is not a flip remark. Right. Jesus was a Jewish man living among an occupied people. Right. In ancient Palestine, the Romans had come, they were in control, and Jesus and his people were an oppressed people. So it's important that we not just say, ah, oh, well, Jesus had it great. Well, he didn't. In fact, remember, he was persecuted and criticized and crucified. So we should listen up if someone who has gone 
who goes through that kind of life, lives that way, says, do not worry. I'm intrigued. I want to know more. The second big sin, I think, is that we forget that Scripture is not just written to me Mm. or just to you individually, Right. right? And so we, as the body of Christ, we come together, we receive Scripture as a community, that the New Testament, all these letters written to communities, and that Jesus himself calls people into community together as disciples of Christ. So when Jesus says, do not worry, well, I think there's a community element to that. Right. Where Jesus is saying, I'm calling you into a life where you are caring for each other and you are cared for by each other. Yeah. Yeah, I love this phrase. Scripture isn't to us. It's actually for us. Hmm. Hmm. And we can omit that reality that it's for the collective us. The same way that we can omit the context, historical context of Scripture. Hmm. We can omit the um, meta-narrative of Scripture when we approach individual text and proof text to prove Mm -hmm. a point. We can omit large portions of the Bible that speak against our individual positions Mm -hmm. (laughs) and oftentimes takes opposition to what we think is right. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. And oftentimes we can even omit the calling to love our neighbors, the calling to be a part of a community, to embody the way of Jesus that responds to the common good of those you're in close proximity to. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think that's really the point of this new way of following Jesus. Um, Oftentimes, we're so individualistic as a Western culture, we're so um, uh, hell-bent on exceptionalism Mm. that we make Jesus our individual pursuit, my personal relationship with Jesus, Mm -hmm. my salvation. When really, Christ is saying, no, 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 no. And you see this through the arc of the text. No, 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 no. This is our salvation. Mm. This is for the collective common good for the thriving of creation. Mm. Now, it's great. Like, if you have a a personal endeavor and a personal pursuit of Christ, these are good things. I'm not saying those are bad. But I'm saying you have to frame your independent journey with Christ Mm -hmm. in the larger context of what the Bible is speaking to, and that is community. Yeah, yeah. Your relationship with Christ is real. It's also just not all. Yeah, we're pietists. Like we go ahead. Like we it's a good thing Uh to have a personal relationship with Jesus. But if you lose sight. Yeah. Yeah. We really are called into community. And that's part of (laughs) to me, it's just part of the thrill of being the body of Christ we're called into this community together. We share around the communion table together. So that's, it's a holy calling. Yeah, it is a holy calling for sure. Um, and so, I, you know, I am being reminded just now of the text from 1 Timothy um, 6, 17 through 18. And I have it right here. I'm going to read, read it. It says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. So, so often we put our hope in our stuff which is so uncertain. Hmm. Our stuff cannot provide the abundant life that Jesus came to give. But to put their hope in God, who richly, I love that Paul uses the word richly here, 
um, because it's almost like a paradox. The God who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing mm-hmm. to share. Mm-hmm. Generous and willing to share. That reminds me of the movie Lilies of the Field. Oh, so cool. I just watched this this past week. It's free streaming on Amazon Prime right now if you want to check it out. And Lilies of the Field came out in 1963. Uh, the great Sidney Poitier of beloved memory. He died just a few weeks ago. Uh, Sidney Poitier received an Academy Award Best Actor uh, for his role in that film. And it was the first time that a person of color uh, won an Academy Award for a leading role. Wow. Yeah. yeah, cool. And this film called Lilies of the Field. Keep in mind, I mean, it's a, it's a reference it's a to, reference. yeah, to Matthew 6, which Anna read. Um, the story is that Sidney Poitier's character, he's a black Baptist who's driving along and he encounters this community of German Roman Catholic nuns. And they invite him or ask him to help out with just some tasks uh, with their roof, and he volunteers and expects to be well-paid and all this kind of business, but they maybe don't have the funds, and so there's tension there. Mm. But then, in order to continue this kind of relationship and maybe get the right uh, reciprocal you know, funding and everything like that, um, they ask him to build their chapel. Well, he goes, where is all the material going to come from? Well, there's another community of Latino Roman Catholics. And so it's this whole community, and they end up building the chapel together. And people are volunteering, and people are offering up their bricks and their time and all this stuff. And it's such a powerful thing. Again, going back to the text, consider the lilies of the field, how they neither toil nor spin nor reap, and Mm. yet God so adorns them. Will God not provide for you as well? And again, thinking and about you community. you reap and you toil and you spend. Amen. I mean, you, you know, work. Jesus names these things. Jesus knows that people work, right. right? He's got the frame of reference for it. He's also just calling people into the kind of community where there mm. is provision, you know? Like it would be really easy for us to say, hey, don't worry, everything's great. Because look, as white, male yeah, <laughs> Americans, really... like we kind of got it made, you know? <laughs> and yet... Look at what Christ does in community in calling people of difference mm. together and what can be done when people in Christ are caring for each other. Yeah, that's good because there, there are some realities of need, mm-hmm. right? Like our, our neighbors are in need of some security, uh, of knowing that their lights will stay on in their house. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe they lost work because of COVID. We don't know the story but there are very real needs. There is a need for food on your table to provide for your family, to, um, to have safe and equitable housing, to know that the bus will arrive on time and take you to your job. There are essential needs that you do worry about mm-hmm. because they're for the common, they're for the good of your family and your thriving. Mm-hmm. But I think the greater point here to to what Jesus is inviting us into is that we can look at our generosity as an opportunity to share. I'm going to go right back to that text. Uh, Timothy, Mm -hmm. command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, 
to take what you have, to see those who are without, the have-nots, mm -hmm. and to be generous and willing, and here's the key word, to share. Yeah. So if you find that you have an abundance of something, maybe, maybe it's financial resources, maybe it's food, maybe it's space and grass, mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe it's a basketball court in your building. Maybe, we don't know what it could be. But if you find yourself with an abundance of something, the command here is really clear. Share. Mm -hmm. Share so that the worries of our neighbors mm -hmm. are taken to a place of abundant life as well. I'm so glad that you named just the space and grass because I was thinking about oh, your yeah. message from last week, right? Oh, yeah. Where you talked about the feeding of the 5,000 oh, right. and there was all this space. And I just thought about, we have to remember Jesus in Matthew 5 and 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. He's talking not to one person. He's talking to a whole bunch of people and that brought to mind the feeding of the 5,000. It's this big crowd that's gathered and so when Jesus talks about do not worry, he's talking to a whole bunch of people that he's calling into a new way of life together, a way of generosity. It's not blessed are the gold card carriers. Yeah. Hmm. It's blessed are the poor in spirit. Hmm. <laughs> Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like that is what Christ is trying to get the followers of this way to understand. It's not about your security. It's not about like you securing these, uh, what you are afraid to give up. Mm. It's not about you consuming more and more and more or finding and chasing status. It's about making yourself as empty as the pauper's hands mm. so that God can restore you and bring you something that of which will give you abundant life. It will give you calm. It will transform your relationships. It will transform the way you look at money. It will transform the way you look at your stuff. Mm -hmm. No longer is it something you cling to as mine, but it's something you freely give as ours. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful moment Yeah, that's yeah. transformative. You know, so you're talking about giving and you, you mentioned without fear and living into abundance. I'm reminded of where tithing right. comes from right. in the Bible. So in the book of Genesis, uh, Abraham, I think he's about to like fight a big battle or something like that. But Abraham encounters this person named Melchizedek. If you're a big New Testament nerd, you may know Melchizedek as uh, a priest of the order of Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is called you know, the order of Melchizedek. All right. But the original King Melchizedek of Salem is this character who just shows up. And as Abraham is about to maybe go into battle, Melchizedek breaks bread for wow. him. And Abraham responds with giving him a tenth of what he has, a tithe, a tenth of what he has. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the word Salem means peace. You may know it in the back end of the name Jerusalem, city of peace. Mm -hmm. Melchizedek is the king of peace. And it's the one who breaks bread and offers peace wow. to whom Abraham responds with a tithe, with giving 10%. And just what an invitation into giving to the king of peace. And that's Eucharistic. It is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that connection between Eucharist and generosity. Yeah. Amen. 
Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you look at like Malachi's text, 310, uh, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Mm. Test me in this, says the Lord. Test me. Try me. If you're generous with what you have, see what happens, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, not just on you, but on the community, that there will not be room enough in the store for it, mm-hmm. that, there won't, there, that it will be so overflowing mm-hmm. the amount of goods that you have to feed people, to, to provide for those who are without that it will transform your community. Test me yeah. and in what this a, what generosity. A, what this a counter word. Right. What a counter word to like prosperity gospel stuff, which Completely. would be, you, you know, the blessings will rain down on, on you. you. Right. No, no, no. It's uh-uh. for the life of the community in which you live. Will you be blessed by that? Yes. Yes. As your people are blessed. And your neighbors. Right? Amen. And then none of us are, are operating from the scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. from the... Mm-hmm. Fight, flight, or flee. My, is that what it is? Fight, fight flight, flight, or freeze. Freeze. Yeah. It's uh-huh. not flee. It's yeah. freeze because flight would be flee. There you go. You got it. You got it. It's all good. Yeah. Flight, fight, or fl- uh, freeze uh, mentality, mindset. And so um, we, what we want to do is give you some practices mm-hmm. that you can transform your life and begin to transform your community at mm-hmm. large. And so um, tell, tell me maybe sure. a practice that you, you've seen in your own life or something that you would suggest people yeah. try. Yeah. So uh, one thing is that, uh, well, actually, I'll return to the story with Shay again. Sorry, Shay. Hope this is OK. But um, <laughs> seven years ago, I went to a financial stewardship workshop here in Richmond. And uh, I was transformed by this one particular line that the leader said, he said, um, the number one discipleship issue for American Christians, the number one discipleship issue for American Christians is financial generosity. Hmm. Because as Americans, we are so wealthy in consideration of what so many other countries have. And there's plenty of disparity in the U.S. I want to acknowledge that. And yet, we do have such a wealth, a common wealth, yeah. um, that we're called to consider how does our faith uh, influence, inform our financial generosity. Mm. So um, I learned about budgeting that day, and I called Shay on the way home, my spouse Shay, and I said, <clears throat> Shay, we have had plenty of conflict about money, and I, I would love for us not to argue about it anymore. Um, or I learned about budgeting today. I would love for us to talk about that. And, and when you get home from work, when I get home, let's, let's talk. And so we did, and we budgeted, and we started with generosity. We said, look, we know what it's felt like to want to give money away, but we didn't know how much we had, and so we just sort of refrained from it. We, we weren't sure. Let's start with generosity. We give away 10%. Let's just start there. How much are we bringing in and then how much are we giving away and then plan our lives from there. And it changed our relationship together. We still fight about some stuff, but we don't fight a whole lot about money. Yeah. And that has been a real gift. So I'm grateful for that. Um, and then I just want to share one other thing. Yeah, that please. This Thursday, is that February 3rd? Yeah. We're going to meet here 
at 910 South Harrison. And this will be our first of a series um, through February. And it's called a Spiritual Practices Workshop. And we are going to budget, not financially, but with our time. Hmm. Because we're going to look at what time resources we already have. It's pretty similar. It is. Yeah. It is. And we're going to look at where we already have time that we can employ for spiritual practices yeah. during the week yeah. like that. That's, that's really good. Um, I, what I am a firm believer of is that having a plan for your stuff helps posture your heart in a way that you see that you have more than enough. <laughs> and so just real basic budget in terms of financial budget, if yeah. that's something you would be interested in, in practicing, mm -hmm. would be 10, 10, 80. Live on 80% of your income, tithe 10%, and save 10% for a rainy day. Have a plan for your stuff so that your heart and you can experience the more mm -hmm. than enough of God is, mm -hmm. is really important in yeah. my mind. Yeah. John Wesley said, save all you can, give all you can. So that's, that's a really so wonderful good. way of thinking about it. 10, 10, 80. Yeah. That's a great place to start. And, and then finally, I think an, another good practice, and this is going to be really challenging for many of us. I would humbly suggest make a list of idols in your life. Ooh. What are the things you can't live without? Maybe it's that morning run to Starbucks that you do every single morning. Um, maybe, maybe it's a subscription to Netflix or Spotify. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a, a membership somewhere. Maybe, maybe it's um, that, that beer that you love to purchase oh, once on a now. week. I come know. On now. But make a list of the things you can't live mm -hmm. without and maybe take one or two items, mm -hmm. one or two items, and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this up mm -hmm. for a season. Yeah. Has this and, become and, my mammon, right? Yeah, exactly. The thing in which and I put too much what trust. what God mm -hmm. does. And yeah. Just see what God does. Yeah. Uh, Amen. If you were to reallocate those funds somewhere else to generosity. And this just makes me think about how the season of Lent is coming up. It's oh, yeah. a season when Christians often give something up or take on a new practice. And so in the interest of spiritual practice, in the interest of spiritual formation for our community, we want to start thinking about that now. Don't yeah. get caught off guard come Ash Wednesday or whatever. That's right. Yeah, mm -hmm. start thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So that's a great practice. So so far, we've we've talked about having a plan, ha coming up with a budget, 10, mm -hmm. 10, 80. Mm -hmm. Then we've talked about maybe making a list of idols in your life and maybe crossing off one or two things that you can live without for a season. Mm -hmm. And then... Coming to our workshop. Yeah, coming yeah. to our workshop mm -hmm. is a great one. Seriously, we'll sign post up. The link. We'll post the link right now. Yeah, we'll right. do that right now. Great. Um, we would love to have you. And then come back next week oh in goodness. person gathering. Bring a friend, bring your dogs. Um, don't bring your dogs. Bring your friends, uh, bring your neighbors, uh, bring anyone you can think of. Just start calling and texting people and invite them to experience the abundant life that's going to take place in the context of this community. Amen to that. And um, I think we'll be better for it. We're starting a new series next week which I'm really, really excited about. With Herbie the Love Bug, With Herbie, yeah, the image it has Herbie the Love Bug because the title of the series is called Greatest of These. Love. Love. <laughs> so it's Herbie. Did Will you close the secret away? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. The secret away. So now you'll know. Okay. But can you close us in prayer? Absolutely. Uh, as I'd we love consider to. this? Sure thing. Thanks. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, in Christ we hear you say, do not worry. And we long not to worry. Mm. 
So we offer our lives to you in the deep hope that you would change us, that you would be changing us in this community of faith, that we could give of our lives and so find them just as Christ gave his life and so found us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.